Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in episode 72 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast, alongside the man who will be bringing the sass for the next hour, Jamie Eisner, and the man who brings the Barbara Co- Streisand references. And the, and the coffee. And the coffee. And the long you, flowing Jamie. hair on Twitter, as oh, we all wow. noticed. Yes, uh, the oh, Twitterverse wow. got a Twitterverse that follows at the Natty Hattie. By cheap plug, please follow us. Yes, you should. Got, uh, got a little bit of a reward, a sneak peek at what the future may hold for Yarmir Yager's Colombian friend. Craig Morgan. <laughs> Trust me, when you when you look at it, you won't be able to look away for, oh, for quite some God. time. Or, or you'll be blinded. It came together pretty quickly. Also, uh, I'm Luke Lipinski, and that's the three of us, and that's the show. All right. We'll talk By to the you way, we should, we should thank our listeners for making the last two weeks the most listened to Natty Hattie podcasts in our history. The last two weeks, setting yes. records. Yeah, over a million each. Um, we should <laughs> we, we should remind people Just how to listen. Kind of leave that out there. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, Alternative facts. I know. Hey. I think the Glendale Star reported that that we had a million followers or listeners. Yeah, you're right. We should podcast. start. We should cite them more often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, iTunes, the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Tune in. Where else, Jamie? SoundCloud. Uh, yeah, uh, Audio Boom. You can listen to Audio us. Boom. Just okay. Plain old fanragsports.com under okay. the podcast section. Pretty much any of our Twitter feeds, you'll see it there at some point. At the Natty Hattie. I also believe we are on Google Play now. There were oh, some nice. issues with Google Play where we were on it for a while, then we were not on it for a while. So we should be back on there for you that use Android devices and don't want to come to the website. And if you're on iTunes, just subscribe to us. And apparently you're all hearing me now. Yeah. Or I, I just f- have accepted that you can't hear me and you <laughs> don't really care anyway. Completely tuned you out. Either okay. one is fine with me, to be honest. Yeah. Also, Jamie, if you're walking around downtown Phoenix, will be he's that guy that hands out CDs of the show and then asks for donations. So yeah, I, I go to Vegas sometimes, too, and hand them out on the bridge between like New York, New York, and the Excalibur. <laughs> and he'll also <laughs> sell you ice-cold water for $2. Yes. <laughs> All right. We'll get more into Vegas later on I in the show. I hand out different flyers, too. From, oh, from that Vegas was your Vegas segue. Yeah. I just realized I'm a little slow. I, I set Jamie up to give me the Vegas segue. Okay. We're working together. This is a good – well, two of us are working together here on this line. I don't know about the third. Let's start with the suspensions. Two of them this week. Uh, <laughs> wow. Two of the more unlikely characters to get suspensions. I guess we start – let's go in chronological order. Gustav Nyquist – going full slap shot on Jared Spurgeon and trying to carve up his face with a hockey stick. <laughs> he, did, he did a pretty good job on one area. He, he did, and he gets six games for it. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember a time, not even just in hockey or sports, just like in the world where everybody on social media agreed on something and that the second that happened, everybody agreed he was getting at least five games. Now, once the length of the suspension officially came out, Everybody disagreed and went back to hating each other online. But still, for those, like, three days, Gustav Nyquist and his reckless stick play was able to unite us all. Gentlemen? I guess I'll start. Uh, Deserves suspension. 
I think based on my expectation and how the player safety department has handed out these punishments, which is fairly ambiguous and willy-nilly, and we have, I have no idea. I have a better idea what a catch is in the NFL than I do why they suspend players the way they do. I, I wish like they the had a guy say willy-nilly. Yeah, I wish they had a guy named William Nilsson or something in the <laughs> player safety department. But based on kind of what they've done a little bit, you go back to the Duncan Keith suspension, and you, you factor in history versus what one was a playoff game versus one first-time offender. I guess six is kind of the number you get to. Yeah, and, and like you, you were saying earlier, uh, two of the least likely people you'd expect to do something like this, but two of the most blatant offenses yeah. I, I can remember seeing. So not a lot of gray area here. Really no gray area here with, with these two incidents. Would you have liked more for Nyquist? We're getting into that area this week. The NHL t- twice made that jump from you know, being broadcast on, on hockey networks or during hockey games to jumping on to like ESPN and, and Fox Sports where they only talk about the suspensions or like Sidney Crosby's milestones. And then all of those reporters are instantly like, well, he's got to be done for the year, and Antoine Vermette's got to be done for like three years. But within the world of actual hockey... And collective bargaining, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, six games, like Jamie said, is, is about what I expected. Yeah. But I do understand people that, that look at that and say, eh, maybe that should have been closer to about 10. Well, I, I think with these two happening, we were just talking about this off the air, with these two happening in such close succession, Antoine Vermette of Anaheim slashes a linesman on the, on the back of the leg. It really wasn't. It was, it was more like a tap, and he gets 10 games. Now, granted, it's abusive officials. There's, again, there's no gray area there, and you just can't cross that line. But I think when people compare the two, what happened in the two, one was clear intent to injure and succeeded in injuring, yeah. while the other was, hey, that was a terrible drop of the puck. <laughs> I'm going to let you know about it. I don't somebody, – somebody sent me the, the video of the Antoine Vermette play because it was during a Coyotes broadcast. And she sent it to me, and I thought she was joking when I saw the name attached to abusive officials. I mean, all three of us know Antoine Vermette fairly well. Like, we've all talked to him a yeah. pretty decent amount of times. Honestly, if you made me – if you said somebody just got popped 10 games for abusing an official – you have to tell me which NHL player. He probably would have been the very last in the NHL, I would have guessed for that, honestly. Uh, and you're right. When you watch the play, if he hits a player like that, it's not even a penalty. Nope. But no. But when it, you cross that line of hitting an official, you have to instantly be suspended. Yeah, yeah. it's such a weird thing to see him, see him do that. And, you know, I wonder in my head, you know, if he just – obviously it's a moment of frustration, but he kind of acted like he would if he was frustrated with an opponent. But – once you do that to an official, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, but he just lost it for a moment. That's just, yeah, and that's all it takes. And ten games is warranted. That is the way it's written in in the book. It's you can't put it down to a three game suspension based on the way the rules read. He he intended to make physical contact with the referee there, even if he didn't intend to injure, which is what a ten game suspension is versus a twenty game suspension. Is that enough to say that it, it warrants a longer suspension, though, than what Nyquist did simply because it's the linesman? I mean, there's an argument to be made there. There absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the tough part to juggle where, one, if you, if you just took a person that's maybe never watched hockey before, doesn't know any of the context, and you show them the two incidents, like, wow, I think the guy trying to take somebody's head off is significantly worse for the game, potential injury and all that, than gently slashing the linesman in the back of the legs. So in, in this hypothetical perfect world, Nyquist should be suspended longer. But as we know, that's not the world we live in, and that's not how the rules are written. So I, I don't have a problem with it based on what the rules are now. Maybe we should look at 
changing the rules a little bit. This is, this is not a perfect analogy by any stretch, but it, in, in some ways it's like messing with a cop, right? It's not just messing with a person, but it's also someone charged with keeping us safe, keeping the rules. So it does seem like there's a... There's an extra layer there, and you yeah. you really can't cross that line. Yeah, I mean, like if Luke and I, when Luke and I get into a fight after the show today in the parking lot, and I spit on him, yeah, he's probably not going to press charges. But if I go and go spit on an officer outside, I don't think I'm walking away without without something other than handcuffs on my hands. I mean, or, it's just the way we have things work you? in society. It's just it's becoming a thing. Yeah, know. no, like <laughs> if you kick somebody in a bar, you may or may not even you might just totally get away with it. If you just walk up to a cop and slap him in the face and then dance away happily, you're getting in trouble. So and, and you, you told me you weren't gonna bring up the night at Whiskey Rose again. <laughs> Jamie has issues. Oh. Uh, just, just leave it at that. You should have oh, come out with us after okay. the game on Saturday, Craig. Wow. I could have used somebody helping me post bail for I need Jamie. To take a drink of my coffee and what, what flavor is that? The air, yeah. Jasmine and lavender coffee? Is that what you drink now? Don't 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 go projecting. Oh, by the way, uh, while we're slightly off topic, Jamie and I went to. Do I say the name of the establishment? They're not sponsoring the show. Yes. But if they want to sponsor the show, we went somewhere that we've gone with you before. <laughs> and, mm. uh, okay. Your uh, your beverage of choice that particular evening. Yardhouse. Oh yeah. Yes. We looked up the name of it. I believe it was like Strawberry Fields Forever. <laughs> it's definitely Strawberry Fields. It was horrible too, by the way. It was. By the way, it it was does tell you guys tasted it, it, didn't you? It was awful. No, I wouldn't. No, taste we, it. we did. You, you did. I had to get up in like two terrible. hours. It was the worst drink ever. We washed it down with our holidays and holiday-inspired Moscow Mule, which was the Moscow else. Mules. There are great. It was vibrant pink in a pointy glass with sugar, sugar lined rim. around the mouth. Yeah, and I didn't know the sugar was coming either. Yeah. That was a surprise. So all of a sudden, my iced chai latte doesn't look so bad, <laughs> and also tastes a lot better. <laughs> all right, all right, touche. <laughs> Back to the uh, suspension. You punished me enough with that photo. <laughs> You're just going to Photoshop with the photo with, like, that Strawberry Fields martini. That's oh, coming. That's fine. That's next. So if one picture symbolizes this season, that with, a picture of, with the picture it. of, like, an arena in the background. Obviously. Just hit, uh, hit, every, just hit everything. Just hit everything. that again today. Good Lord. <laughs> Wait, real quickly on the suspensions. It's not the league's fault, but it puts them in a tough spot to have the Nyquist event, or whatever we're going to call it, incident happen on Sunday, and then Vermette on Tuesday, because... You're right. It's natural to compare the two of them, and one of them is clearly much worse than the other. But there's, you have to when when you have the, when you have rules in place for abuse of an official, you yep. can't you can't waver one way or on the other on those. They have to be steadfast, no. three, ten, twenty games. Absolutely, you get you got to stick to that. So the only question is, do you extend Nyquist and make him sit even longer? And and I'm not sure that's warranted based on precedent and again collective bargaining. So. I, Again, like Jamie said, I, I don't have a specific problem with this. I think there is a theoretical argument to be made that he should have served more games. But beyond that, whatever, I'm ready to move on. Well, and, and also, if you suspend Nyquist longer, you basically have to tell him, you're getting more games because Antoine Vermette slashed right. an official. Right. Which doesn't really fly too well. I and mean, that, that's like an instant lockout right there from the players' union. <laughs> All right, so on to coaching changes. This is now a weekly segment on the show because every single week we do this. Um, and because every single week somebody gets fired in the NHL. Are we going to have more coaching changes than actual, like, trades this year at the trade deadline? Because so far the only deal we have is Tommy Wingles to Ottawa from, like, three weeks ago. But we've now had five head coaches fired in the middle of this NHL season. That is unreal. Yeah, and as we talked a little bit about last week, this was the uh, the nuclear option for Montreal that I don't think we all, any of us thought was actually going to happen, where they, they let go of Michel Therrien. 
Craig and, and I were talking about it, yeah. and then it happened. Like, his phone went off, and he's like, wait, they actually just did it. Yeah. It's, they did. It's absurd. I, I, I saw that. I was like, no way. So, so this was a fake account. Like, that, I mean, that's something fake Bob McKenzie tweets at the deadline, right? And then I saw, <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's the that. official Montreal Canadiens page oh, with a blue, nice blue check mark. By the way, I don't know if you know, but uh, Luke Lipinski's verified as he continues to remind us. I believe he just purchased a... <laughs> That's embarrassing. Every uh, week. I know. He, he actually purchased a shirt on Amazon uh, with a blue checkmark. Find market. me at Luke. <laughs> yeah. This is an attack. It's, it's the one with the blue checkmark next yeah, to it. Uh, that's not how pre, pre-show prep went today. It was Craig parading around that he's been verified for a while now. and then Also parading around that he has, I picked up 800 followers since I left the house yeah. this morning. There's just too many for me to tweet to all of them. They're all, yeah. they're all fake. They're Whatever. all robo-followers. I'm trying to figure out... Any of you have ideas on how to get rid of robo-followers, let me know. Delete your account? Oh, nice. That's a good option. That's a good option. It's the Montreal Canadiens option, right? Just completely start over from scratch, even when things are going well. Uh, look, if you think Claude Julien's a better coach than Michel Therrien, you... I do. I don't have a huge problem with the move. I think it's silly that this is the second time they've done this exact move, but... If you're Mark Bergevin and you take a step back and, and you wanted, like, even if you're looking towards next year, you'd rather have Claude Julien over Michelle Terry, and then you kind of have to move on it because there are other teams out there looming since every week a head coach gets fired. Well, and I think that was their thought process, that A, we can't let another team scoop them up right away, or B, we don't want to get into a bidding war in the offseason that includes a, a number of other teams that will probably part ways with their coaches and Vegas. And they said, you know what, let's, let's make this move now. I mean, if, if that's your guy, I mean, we've talked about this before, where what if happened if, we talked about this last year on the podcast, what if Boudreaux gets fired midseason, how many teams would say, hey, you know what, I, I kind of like the guy we got, but uh, we need Boudreaux. And we kind of saw this with, with Claude Julian, and I, I, I don't mind it so much. I know it's, a, it's, I know Boston fans are mad that they, that they let, them talk, let him talk to Montreal, but, I mean, ultimately, I think this was the right decision. And if you're thinking about firing your coach and you're in Montreal, I mean, your, your options are limited anyway, because you mm-hmm. need to find somebody with a French-sounding name who speaks French, and Claude Julien does. In fact, he's bilingual, so I and think you had to go down this road, didn't you? I mean, what other options did you have? This really? is a real thing, right? They, they need a coach that's sure bilingual. That yeah. Yeah. yeah, yes, that's a real thing. Yeah, that's a real thing. So, you know, Joe... I'm sure it's been stated no, but, blatantly, but... No, but it's... But it's clearly... But I mean, that's, well that's a very limiting factor when you you consider the market they're in. Yeah. <laughs> There's like two. They just keep road trading between Michelle Therry so and Claude Julien. Joel Quenville's a bit... Nah. Yeah. Sorry, I can't do him. He's no. got a good... They'll send him a Rosetta Stone. Just and doesn't have the qualifications. The I mean, it, that's... Considering the market they're in and the pressure they're under, to then only have like eight coaches they can choose between is... <laughs> really absurd it's very limiting and and i'm not saying it's their fault and i understand partially why you want that because they were just here the other night and half the media that follows them around speaks french and only french so you need to be able to address those guys but yeah that was wild by the way wasn't it the the initial conference or just the coach gathering the scrum was in french and then they they had a smaller one for english-speaking folk can you imagine john tortorella as montreal's coach (laughs) i'm not repeating i want i want to imagine that that would be fantastic. The translator standing yes. next to him. <laughs> Getting as animated That's as he is. a rough job. Yeah. There's no way. No matter what you get paid, you're underpaid. How's that? So I guess we can rule Michelle Therrien out in terms of uh, winning the Jack Adams this year. Yeah, probably not. Okay. Yeah. And we can safely say now that it wasn't all P.K. Subban's fault in Montreal last year, since that's sort of how they tried to paint things in the offseason. and the first going swimmingly the with Shea Weber for a while there, but they've, they've really... 
struggled lately. And you know, there's still time. That's the thing. They're it, still in first place. Yeah, they're still in first place, and part of that's a division, right? Yeah. They they could have suffered a lot more if they were playing in a, a tough division. But you have time to write this ship, and and why why are you making such a a rash decision? It seems, at least, based on such a short body of evidence. Why didn't you give them time to write this ship? I feel there's, like there's stuff going on behind yeah, the there, scenes there, in Montreal. There probably is. There probably is. And, and I also. If I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, the only way I could justify if I'm Montreal's front office in my mind making this move is that it's also for next year and beyond, too. Like, maybe you were already towards the end of your rope with Therian, so you were just, you were going to go. Sure. And like we just and said, if you, you feel only, like you got a better coach, then yeah. fine, you've upgraded the franchise, right? And you only have three options anyway. Fortunately, one of them has right. a Stanley Cup, so you can go grab him. Uh, but, I, I mean, do you think this helps Montreal really that much this year? The teams, here's, here's the number. Teams that have fired their coach midseason this year, not counting Florida because nobody knows what they're doing, 17-4-2 since they fired their coach. Mm. So that's the Islanders, St. Louis, and Boston. Yeah, you get a jolt. Does it last, though? I don't know. Does it last? That's quite the jolt. I mean, look what Pittsburgh did, though. Yeah. I mean, that's what Montreal's trying to do, right? It still might be a, a rare occurrence. And also, Pittsburgh brought their own guy up from their own sure. system, which sure. I, don't, I still don't understand why more teams don't do. Tampa did that as well. Yeah, yep. and it's working. Tampa might. No, I can't. I can't believe those rumors are true. I can't believe Tampa would say goodbye to John Cooper. Took him to the Stanley Cup two years ago, and within one goal of the Stanley Cup last year. If that's not good enough for you, good luck finding a better option than than John Cooper if you're Tampa. And you're right. If he became available, about 20 teams in the league would fire their coach for him. Right. Back to your question, though, with with Montreal. I mean, we've talked about this most of the year. I think the the problems there are roster-related. Uh, I just don't think that this roster is, is good enough to do much damage in the playoffs, Carey Price notwithstanding. Uh, they, they've gotten off to hot starts, but you know, part of, part of what's happening this time of year, maybe at least, this is a theory at least, teams turn it up a notch after the All-Star break, right? Teams start zeroing in a little more, so your flaws get exposed more when, when everybody's dialed in. And I just don't think, again, that Montreal's roster is cup-worthy or even conference final-worthy. You're right, though. In the Atlantic Division, you're in a pretty good spot. I would, <laughs> you, you never want to go down this path, but I would almost make the case they're better off finishing in second in the Atlantic because then your first-round matchup is Ottawa or Toronto or Boston as opposed to the Rangers or Pittsburgh or Columbus. Yeah, it's a scary first-round matchup for them. Obviously, you can't, you can't play that sort of game and try and weasel around and set up your own perfect playoff matchup, but they're going to be a playoff team. You're right. I mean, Carey Price can carry them through any series. What do you make of the fact, though, that he has not been Carey Price ever since that little incident with Terry on the bench? I, I don't know how much it can – without being in that locker room or talking to him, I don't know how much I can attribute to what's natural ebbs and flows of a season versus, well, this happened to get in a, <laughs> happened to get in an argument with the coach and then I haven't played as well since. So that, that's tough to say. Maybe that's why they made the coaching change. I don't. I just feel like there's something up there. Like they they had a they had a good team. Let's see what happens right after this. I mean, yeah. Again, it could just be that coaching coaching jolt that you've seen a lot of teams. But let's see what they do the rest of the season. Maybe maybe this is a move they needed to make. And and as Luke pointed out, these moves make they work in hockey. In no other sport do you fire coaches mid season and teams right. get better. I mean, this just it happens in hockey. We've seen multiple teams in the last ten years win a cup doing this. People will point and say the Cavaliers last year in the NBA, but that was such a strange situation, and they were already going to go to the finals anyway. So that's right. not the Eastern really, Conference. Yeah, it's that they have a buy into the finals yeah. every yeah. year. So, lots of coaches available now. Lots of coaches available, and one team in particular that needs a coach, 
Yeah. So we are going to talk now to uh, to Steve Carp and get some insight. This is the second time on the show too, so he's officially a friend of the podcast. Get some insight on, on what the uh, the team in Vegas might be thinking. So let's get into that right now. All right, you can follow him on Twitter at Steve Carp RJ. We're joined now by Steve Carp of the uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal, talking some uh, some. Vegas hockey. We now know the name. The last time we talked to Steve, we didn't know for sure that they were going to be the Vegas Golden Knights. They are now, but uh, now we've got some some more pressing questions, I guess, for you, Steve. And, and starting with the the way this this coaching situation is broken down in the NHL this year, I, I imagine Vegas is sort of sitting back pretty happily now that there's four or five decent coaches available. No, I think they they were smart to wait and see who's out there. And see if that person might be a good fit. And, uh, you know, they have plenty of time. They have no players to coach yet. So you really don't need a coach right now. But uh, the season's going to quickly end. And a lot of things are going to move very fast. And uh, you don't have your coach hired because any potential free agent who's looking at Las Vegas wants to know who's coaching them. So uh, in that respect, it would probably behoove them to make the hire sooner rather than later. So, so what are you thinking in terms of a timeline then, Steve? What, what, is, what is the drop-dead date for when they want to get a coach hired? And, and maybe if you can enlighten us on maybe some of the conversations they may have had already. Well, I don't think there is a drop-dead date per se. I think when they feel like they have the person they really want, then they'll hire that person. It could come you know, in the next few days. It could come in a couple of months. And uh, I think they're still in the process of really determining who they want to coach this team. It's obviously a huge hire for the franchise. And George McPhee, the GM, it's his call ultimately. And uh, they obviously talked to Gerard Gallant after he got let go of Florida. They talked to Jack Capuano after the Islanders fired him last month. Uh, I don't know that they talked to Ken Hitchcock per se, about the job, maybe other than the field, about to see if he had any interest. And with Claude Julian, it never really got to that stage because Montreal swooped in and grabbed him. So uh, of the four who were let go, I would say Gallant and Capuano probably have the best chance of being the guy, uh, especially uh, Capuano, since uh, for a couple reasons. One, he's experienced. He's coached seven years in the NHL as a head guy. Uh, he had a winning record. You know, a lot of Islander fans were down on him, and they were glad to see him go last month. But he did have a winning record in the regular season, though not in the playoffs. And he made the playoffs three to seven years. He was coach. But uh, they're not going to break the bank to pay for a coach. No, no coach in Las Vegas to get Mike Babcock money. So he was probably making under a million with uh, the Islanders. So he'd probably get a little bump to, you know, just over a million and uh, he and George McPhee knew each other when George was working as uh, an advisor to Garth Snow. So uh, Cappy might very well turn out to be the guy. And, and the reason I say it is because uh, when I talked to owner Bill Foley last week about it, he was very high in his praise of Capuano. He called him a really good family man, a good guy, someone he felt comfortable with. And those were all very telling signs from an owner. Uh, most owners don't uh, talk about uh, their personnel in those terms. But he also said the same thing about Gallant. So we shall see. It's, uh, 
It's an ongoing process. They've been very close to the vest with it. George doesn't say a whole lot about uh, the process in general, never mind individuals. So uh, we'll see how it goes. A couple of things struck me there with what you said, and one I want to maybe ask you to dive into it a little more. What what are the qualifications they are looking for? What are, what are the traits they're looking for in a coach here? And then the second thing, you mentioned that they're not going to break the bank. What's what's the philosophy? What's the thinking there? Uh, I'll take the second one first. Bully said he'd rather spend the money on players than coaches. So, I mean, he wants to get a good coach. He'll pay for a good coach. He just doesn't want to overpay for a good coach. If he's going to overpay on anything, it'll be on a player. So, uh, when I say Mike Babcock money, I'm not... I'm saying they're not paying $5 million a year for their coach or, or $8 million or whatever it is Babcock's getting in Toronto. Uh, they're not doing that. But they will still pay reasonable money for their coach. I mean, he's not – he doesn't want to be a hypocrite and say on one hand, you know, George has a free reign to spend what he needs to spend and then say he can't spend this much on a coach. So uh, those are the – in terms of that. Now, as far as the first question, there, George has said he's looking for a guy with NHL head coaching experience. He's not worried if the guy got fired or not. He himself had been fired in Washington, obviously. So uh, he got a second chance to be a GM. He's certainly willing to take a chance on a, a coach a second or third time around. Uh, he prefers someone who's won, had success. And someone who's a player's coach, someone who the players will play hard for every night and can relate to today's players. It's a very different game now than it was 20 years ago. And uh, I think you want to be able to adjust to what's going on in today's NHL uh, as far as your players go. Does that mean age is a factor here? Uh when you talk about relating to players. Yeah, you know, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fair question. I'm not sure. You know, Capuano's 50. Uh, I think Gaunt's 53. Uh, you know, now Hitch is 65. I think in Hitch's case, it might be a factor. Because let's say they hired him and gave him six years. He's 71 at the end of the contract, assuming he lasts that long. <laughs> All right, I'm, and I'm just using him as an example because I don't have no idea whether he has any interest at all in still being a head coach, much less an expansion team in Las Vegas, Nevada. So, uh, yeah, I think age is a factor in this decision. I think he'd like a guy who uh, can relate to today's players. You know, without so knowing. That would, that would probably mean a younger guy. I'm not saying older guy can't relate there's examples of it throughout the league but uh at the same time i think uh you know george's you know blueprint probably calls for a younger guy obviously we don't know if any other coaches will get fired that seems to happen every uh, week at this point but are, are you fairly confident that it's it's mainly down to that list or do you think maybe there could be a dark horse candidate that nobody's even really thinking about or maybe that, that his name hasn't come up because he wasn't already coaching this year well you know some people keep throwing Ralph Kruger's name out as a possibility yeah, we did a wonderful job with Team Europe at the World Cup getting them to the, the championship round and uh, I think you have to 
cut him uh, some slack what happened in Edmonton. Uh, that, that was a situation that, that simply wasn't a good fit. And, and you know, but here's the problem with Ralph Kruger. He's got a great job as the chairman of the Southampton Football Club, you know, the soccer team in England. Uh, it's going to cost you a lot of money to get him out of that situation. And, you know, who's to say that he really wants to coach in the NHL again? You know, he might be very happy right now doing what he's doing. So uh, I don't know that he's a viable candidate or not. Uh, I think there are, you know, there are guys around the league. You know, I'll tell you what, if Doug Waite doesn't get rehired by the Islanders, mm. maybe they should take a long look at him. He's a younger guy, and, and they seem to be responding to him. And he's, he said the other day he's enjoying coaching more than he thought he would. And so if he's not retained... And obviously, George knows him from his time on the island. Because uh, don't forget, Doug's also the assistant general manager in the Islanders, as well as now being the interim head coach. So, uh, Doug, wait, somebody may want to wait on until the end of the uh, season, see what happens with him. Obviously, Lindy Rupp's uh, future at Dallas, who knows what's going to take place there. Uh, he's the experienced guy who's won. And, uh, you know, there, there's probably a few other guys on the, their list that they're not talking about. You know, Steve, moving away from the, the coaching here, with the expansion draft, you know, still a few months away, but, but not that far away, do you have any sense or, or have they even really devised a strategy with how they're going to approach that? Well, they've had three mock drafts already, and with each one they get a little smarter <laughs> and a little bit better feel for the way it's going to go down in June. And I, I think... The run-up to the expansion draft is going to be what's real interesting because a lot of teams are going to try to protect as many assets as they can and and lose the worst possible player to Las Vegas rather than a really good player. So you might see some side deals done where uh, the Knights pick up uh, future draft picks in order to stay away from player X and then draft player Y. I mean, every team's going to lose a guy. It's just to the uh, quality of that guy that the team loses that will uh, be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, they've got, they've got all their, their, their scouting components in place. They've got their cap people, their analytics people. They've, they've been going through this pretty uh, rigorously, and, and uh, their, their pro scouting staff is out every night watching games and getting in line on guys who they, they feel will probably be available to them. So, uh, yeah, I think they're on top of it. How, how much, I know it's hard to say this, I'm sure they're not sharing exactly what their plan is with you, but of course how, not. how yeah. much of a factor do you think all those behind-the-scenes machinations are? Because I've heard this from several GMs that teams are, are trying to work side deals with Vegas to say, hey, don't, don't take this guy. How much of a factor do you think that's going to be in constructing this roster? Uh, I think it's more of a factor for Vegas in the future. In other words, if you're picking up draft picks for 17, 18, 19, you're, you're helping build their future that way because they really want to build their team through the entry drafts, not through the uh, expansion draft. Their, their goal is to you know, build with young players and and let them develop together. So, uh, yeah, I think there will be a few side deals done. And and obviously, you know, a team like Pittsburgh, 
would like to keep both their goalies if they can. And, uh, you know, maybe Jim Rutherford offers George something to not take Flurry or Murray, whoever they leave unprotected and, uh, and stuff. Because uh, they have to take three goalies. So they'll, they'll figure that out. And uh, it's, uh, there'll be a lot of cat and mouse here. There'll be all sorts of subterfuge. They'll try to be a lot of liars poker being played. Uh, between now and the 18th to the 21st when the actual expansion draft is held. Uh, Steve, before we let you go, just w- what's the buzz like there for this team? When are we going to see jerseys? Uh, in June. Okay. It's time for the draft, for the expansion draft. They, uh, part of it was they had to get the design the way they wanted it. Second was Adidas takes over for Reebok after the season, and they had to wait on that to take place. And uh, they uh, they obviously missed a great opportunity over Christmas to sell a bunch of those jerseys, but uh, they'll have a chance to make it up uh, throughout the summer and into the fall and, and the holiday season in 17. So it uh, should be interesting, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a good look. Uh, if you like the logo, and what you've seen already, uh, then you'll probably like the jersey. Steve Karp of the Las Vegas Review Journal. Good stuff as always, Steve. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. All right, good stuff there from uh, Steve. He's. We need to make a list of the official friends of the show. We do. We're it's up to too long. We're going to lose track. Three or four now. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to build a roster of players. We've got Redim Verbata and Paul Bissonnette up front so far. So we're building the. We need a goalie. Well, I guess we have Corey Hirsch. Technically, he we could do. play goal. Okay. Go. Um, so a couple things that that Steve touched on that I, I think we should discuss. Coaching being the main thing, but just quickly. In terms of the side deals, doesn't that strike you as weird that that's allowed to happen? I know it is allowed to happen. It's not like that's breaking news. But, I mean, how how is that going to scroll across the bottom of your TV? Like, Pittsburgh gives Las Vegas a second-round pick for no reason. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Yeah, I, love I, it. I, I think it's a, it's a great way to build up assets for a team that comes in with none. You know what else it is? It's, it's a measure of the skill of GMs. We're going to find out about some GMs. In this this offseason in particular, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch because there are opportunities out there, and we're going to see which guys are able to work the market in their favor. But is it regulated? Like, let's just use, first of all, if I'm Vegas. We don't have regulations in this country. We're doing away with all regulations. (laughs) So it's not. Free market, baby. Free market. Solves everything. So you can make, are you making the expansion draft great again? Is that what I'm hearing? That's right. The expansion draft great again. If you. We haven't had one in how long? uh, Like 13 years-ish? Yeah. If you um, if you make a side deal with George McPhee, and then he just goes out and drafts the player anyway, what's your recourse? I mean, I don't think he would do that. But what if the Penguins are like, okay, we're going to give you a second-round pick. You can't take Matt Murray. If it's not regulated, why doesn't he just say, all right, I'll take Matt Murray? Yeah, because he's got to pay he's got to deal with you. Because he's got an oh, awful yeah. reputation around the league. Yeah, he would never, that would be the last job he ever has. Yeah. If you're Vegas, and I'm not trying to harp on the Penguins example, but if I'm Vegas... There's no side deal I'm taking that prevents me from taking Matt Murray. What, what can Pittsburgh really offer me? You know that if they get to that point, they can't protect Flurry. So you get your starting goalie who's going to be 22 years old, has at least one Stanley Cup on his resume. They flashed his record the other day, just in his NHL record as a goalie, and he was like 38-6 and six or something. Just absurd number. That's his winning percentage to start off his career. There's nothing Pittsburgh could give me. I agree. The 28th pick in the first round? Cornerstone. Yeah, that's a cornerstone of your, of your team. So, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. But there are going to be those sorts of deals for other players, teams trying to protect a certain prospect. 
hey, I know you might be interested in this guy, we'll give you X. Now what's going to be really interesting is if other teams can get wind of that and say they jump in and suddenly offer a sweeter deal to get that player or finagle with Vegas, there's just going to be all kinds of things going on behind the scenes. It's going to be a really hard offseason to cover from a reporting standpoint. Yes, there's it is. insane amounts of variables. I just want to be in Vegas at the end of June right now, seeing it all go down. To the coaching situation, uh, mm-hmm. he, he threw out names that I think that you know, we've all heard and we all expect. I was a little, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but that was a little insightful to me to hear that Jack Capuano might be the leader at this point, which is funny because when he got fired from the Islanders, we all said he just looks like he should be the Islanders coach. He also just looks like he should Talks be the coach like of a hockey team in Vegas, though, too, doesn't he? <laughs> We'll see. I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm taking with that a gra- with a grain of salt because I think there are going to be other candidates available soon, and I think it will change the picture a little bit. But I was equally fascinated by a couple of the names he threw out. That you know, if Dougie Waite doesn't keep his job with the Islanders, that's that's a really intriguing yeah. guy. Because if you're talking about a guy who can relate to players, he's he's been known for so long as one of the greatest teammates ever. People just love this guy, so that's an intriguing hire. And then Ralph Kruger, a name I hadn't even thought about who did do some really good things at the World Cup of Hockey. We had Ricky Olczyk. He, I guess he would be the executive on our roster. Yes, we're building a roster. Ricky Olczyk, who was, was on the staff of Team Europe, who was, was heavy in his praise of what Ralph Kruger did with that group. So that's another name to consider. That was a great question by me. And then his answers were also great as well. Because you're right, Doug Wade, oh. I didn't even think of. I would, I would assume the Islanders so would keep his him. His answers were somewhere below Luke's question. No, no, no. Was, Luke's questions were great, and the answers, anyway. well, they were, they, were, they were fine. I raised the level of the interview with my question, and then he matched it with his answer. I will say, as a, as a, as a reporter, the, the quality of the question is what matters to the content. That's all you I wanted to hear. You're good questions, or you're not going to have good content. So... Congratulations. <laughs> that this is a nice moment for felt you. Like a, you have it. an insincere congratulations. Now I just feel very small. Uh, Doug, wait. Do you really think the Islanders would be silly enough to let him go if he keeps doing this? Like you just said, off the air, it's the Islanders, it the so Islanders. who knows? Yeah. But no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, th- there have been some, again, maybe this is just the coaching bump. We've talked about this many times. When you make a coaching change, you get this sudden burst of energy because everybody's trying to earn their roster spot all over again. But... He's shown some good things. If, if, if they can, I, I don't know that they're going to get into the playoffs. <laughs> no, but he's he's made but, it close. Yeah. I, I mean, losing to the Maple Leafs by six doesn't help your cause. Mm, yeah, that wasn't a good effort. But does he have enough? I guess does he have enough time to prove that he deserves this job? Well, look, if I'm Boston and I don't, I ultimately want a new coach in the offseason, I don't know that I'm rushing to get Doug Waite. But based on what Steve just told us, Vegas is looking for. Well, he checks a lot of those boxes really he sure well. Does. So that that is an interesting one. You're right. Ralph Kruger just I mean not to rehash what he just said, but I think we all agree he probably didn't get the the fairest shake in Edmonton because there was so much change going on behind the scenes there and this is back when they were panicking and didn't have Connor McDavid, but he was pr- pretty good at the World Cup. I know that's a small sample size, but still that might be enough to to depending who else is available to at least have me take a look at him as well if he wants to to come back to coaching. Yeah, another thing that struck me in what Steve just said was that they're not going to overpay for a coach. And I, I don't really know what that means, and I don't know where that that price stops, what the ceiling is there. I've heard that too, though, before even before he said it. I get, I get not wanting to pay Mike Babcock money, but at the same time, yeah, I know you're not, you're, you're not hiring a coach to win a Stanley Cup at this point, so, which is obviously what Toronto would like to be doing a few years down the road, and they've got a boatload of talent that's showing promise. He's a guy who can bring them along the right way, develop them as well. But 
this is a really important job, a really important hire. In some ways, you need to make sure you get the right guy, even if it means paying a little bit extra money, because you're setting the foundation for this franchise. So it's, it's a little surprising to at least, I guess, to hear Bill Foley say that. I, I don't know that that sends the right message to say that publicly, that that's the case. Well, and I wonder if he would pay Mike Babcock money for Mike Babcock if he was available. Maybe there's just nobody out there that he feels like if he's paying millions upon millions of dollars for the guys that are out there, he might be overpaying a little bit. What if John Cougar becomes available? I still don't think he will, but what if he does? He's instantly number one on this list. Would you pay the money it might take to get John Cooper in? Well, I, what would that be? I, I don't mean, know. That's not going to be yeah, a Mike what, Babcock yeah, What does John money? Cooper money look like? Because he Coming just off got of fired, yeah. But he, he, you know, he went to a cup final. Like you said, he was a goal away from another. I mean, he's got to make more money than Jack Capuano, right? That would be one of those situations where sure. I negotiated with him by pretending to focus on the fact that he just got fired while secretly just dialing up my bank account and willing to empty it because he would be a fantastic coach for that team. There's no way Tampa lets him go. There's yeah, just no way. Tampa's done so much right over the last four years. Yep. Let's look at Jamie and see if he has anything to say. Let's just stare at him. No, just working. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're got things other than this podcast. Yeah, a couple here and there. Okay. Jamie's a busy man. So it's, I, I feel present like, in body, but yeah, not in mind. not not necessarily okay. in mind. Well, that was or the spirit. case before he even worked here, and that was wow. Um, that's that's a little hurtful. Yeah. It's actually very hurtful. <laughs> Ow, my feelings. Yeah. Woo. All right. Anything else on Vegas? See if I invite you to Yard House again. I, I can still go there. We'll that's just sit out at the restaurant, and stare at each other. I'll order you a Strawberry Fields Forever drink in Craig's honor. All right, that's that's enough of that. You, no. I, you know, maybe now you know why I didn't accept your invitation that night. <laughs> it's because of things like this. Or my friend request on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, give us some lame excuse like I want to spend time with my family. Yeah, what was that? Come <laughs> on, at least right. I had to plan. I had to. Well, I, first of all, I had another story to write as you guys were walking out the door yeah. because you know. Yeah. Sucks to you guys you. write your one story and then you're off. That's, I don't write any stories. Yeah, like, Luke oh, doesn't yeah, write any right. stories. <laughs> I just he talked. yaps for about 45 minutes after, <laughs> the, a, after the game and that's it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, while, while you're trying to write. <laughs> I interview so, a hey, player. What are you writing there? What are you writing? <laughs> <laughs> they probably would have had great quotes for your story, but you couldn't hear it from where you were sitting, and that was that. <laughs> Mike Smith, Luke, give us enough Luke quotes. Is, Luke is, yeah, in, in that instance, Luke was Pierre Maguire and you're Ed Olchek. Yeah. Hmm, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Isn't that right, Edzo? All right, if we're done with Vegas. I do find that aspect of that broadcast extremely interesting. How they're, it's, <laughs> Pierre Maguire is talking to one person, not the audience, one person. Well, we could do a whole podcast on <laughs> Pierre Maguire. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of people out there that maybe don't, uh, aren't big fans of him. I don't really, I'm, I think I'm one of the people, people that doesn't care one way or the other, but I know that people do have strong opinions about him. I wonder if one day when Eddie Olchuk gives him acceptance, if that'll be the end of Pierre Maguire. He'll just ride off into <laughs> the sunset. Just disappear. <laughs> Mission oh, accomplished. All right, Pierre, you're my boy. You're my boy. Okay. The uh, playoff picture. I want to look at this. Okay. All right? We don't want to talk about my 10-year-old daughter's birthday party that I had to plan. I just feel it's like... probably not going to move the needle very much. I feel like next time you want to make an excuse for not coming out with me and Jamie, you put more thought into it than I need to spend time with my family because we saw right through that. Okay. Uh, how'd it go, by the way? It was, a, it was a rousing success. We had 14 children. That sounds like a... Running amok. Fun time. With sumo suits on playing soccer. All of them? All of them. It's actually kind of cool. It, it was pretty crazy to watch. Yeah. Sumo it soccer. Really wasn't, there wasn't much soccer going on as much as them running into one another. That's, That's soccer, soccer, isn't it? They seem to like. Oh, okay. So. Um, 
If you look at the playoff standings as they are right now, I, the the one the, the matchup I'm going to start with, just so I can pull up the actual standings that I want to look at while you guys talk, Pittsburgh-Columbus. Can we just start there with, with one team that hates another team, and that's building a pretty quick rivalry there between uh, two two clubs that aren't located that far apart geographically, and, and certainly that would be a crazy first-round matchup because the Penguins are trying to repeat, Columbus is trying to win their first-ever playoff series, and quite frankly, they're both good enough where they should automatically, not automatically, but they should they should be in the second round and one would be out in the first round. I feel like this is bothering you a lot, what's happening in the Metro this year. Well, it's not just that. I mean, Washington or the Rangers are probably going to be out in the first round, too. Yeah. Well, the Rangers could jump into one of those. That's the thing. Two, three spots are, are you too. afraid so of close. as as a as a Pens fan? Are you afraid of the Rangers right now dropping your team to a wild card spot? Because that's a whole different road. If you have to start every, pretty much every playoff series on the road, there. Uh, this this is my thought. Okay, now I finally got the standings to pull up. Thank you, Internet, and some pictures I didn't ask for. Um, what sort of pictures? That's there. I'll show them to you later. Okay. If you just go, and I urge everybody to do this when you start to look at the playoff picture, just because the schedule's been so wacky this year with bye weeks and, and the, uh, the you know compact schedule. Four of the top five teams in the NHL in terms of just points per game, not goals per game, but points per game are in the Metro. Washington, of course, is number one, Minnesota's two, and then Pittsburgh, Columbus, and the Rangers. So this is a better way to get a feel for like who's actually lined up to play each other right now. If I'm a Penguins fan, I just don't want them playing Washington in round one. I'll take my chances with anybody else in the East. If you drop down to a wild card and you're playing Montreal in round one as opposed to Columbus, it's probably it's probably about the same, isn't it? I mean, I guess we don't know what Montreal is right now, and you don't ever want to run into Carey Price. But yeah. I feel like Columbus's team is better, and they hate but, the Penguins. But they don't have the playoff experience, so I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be so quick to say, yeah, I'd much rather play Montreal in the first round than, than Columbus. I, no, I'm not saying that. Um, I just, I guess as a hockey fan, I'd kind of like to see Columbus get rewarded for what they've done this year and make it to the second round. You mean like win 16 straight games? Yeah. They, they shouldn't go out in the first round. But They're in third place. I don't want them, lose, <laughs> I don't want them beating Pittsburgh in round one either. Right. So you see how I'm torn. I just, it's, I'm not trying to rip Toronto or Boston or Ottawa, but one of them's going to be in the second round while Pittsburgh and or Columbus and or Washington is going to be out in the first round. And it's not like Boston beat Washington in round one. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's, that's it's a tough, tough situation. Happens. There's not anything they can do about it. It happens in every sport, but that's how the East is going to break down this year. On the other hand, I'm thankful that we'll have some really good first-round matchups. Yes. That's where I stand on it. Some. I, I want to watch. Yeah. yeah. At least one. At least one great first-round matchup. How do you feel about Edmonton against Anaheim? That's the one I'm oddly intrigued by for some reason over in the West. Well, I, 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 I'm intrigued by Edmonton. Yeah, I'm very much intrigued by that that young a young team, very fast, has all the ability in the world. What happens when they have they reach the spotlight of the postseason? What's their and record against the Oilers this year? The, the Ducks. Ducks. I haven't even looked at that. Let's but see. I'll pull you it. talk about a speed team, so we know those are the types of teams that give Anaheim some trouble. Yeah. You yeah. want me to look it up while you're leaning on your laptop? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jamie's getting it. I'm trying to put these I'll, I'll figure this standings out. together. Yeah. Uh, you're right. I think that would be a bad matchup for Anaheim. I actually I think Edmonton would win that series. What do you think Edmonton's upside is? Like, how far could they really go in these playoffs? I, I, in the Western Conference? <laughs> like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how just stunned out of your mind would, would you be if they were in the Western Conference Finals this year? Well, are they beating two Pacific teams to get there? Yeah, probably. Probably Anaheim and San Jose. I wouldn't be that stunned then. I, I still think San Jose is the team to watch in this conference. But 
San Jose is they haven't put it all together yet this year. Maybe no. they maybe they you know they they know what it takes now. They've been there. They were there last year, and they're and they're doing fine. They're in first place in the division, so they're they're sitting in a good position. But it wouldn't shock me if Edmonton were able to pull off two upsets. More likely, I see them winning a round and then going out in the second round. That would probably be what I would predict if I had to. But they wouldn't shock me there. And, and the other thing that's weighing into this, it, again, if it, it depends on what happens. Is Edmonton going to stay in that spot where they are? They probably are. But LA, if L.A. can catch fire here, they do have a couple games in hand. Can they push them into a wild card spot? You don't feel as good if you have to go up against one of those top two central teams in the first round, even though Minnesota hasn't. Hasn't done it yet. They look they different. Look really this year. strong. They do. They look different this year. And and we mentioned this on the last podcast. The Blackhawks suddenly are getting those contributions from their depth forwards that they weren't getting the first half of the season. And and if Stan Bowman swings a deal for a, somebody to play with Jonathan Taves, I mean, you can't sleep on the Blackhawks. Wait, what was that? Can I just can I hear that one more time? You have your time. How do you feel about a Chicago-St. Louis first-round matchup? Because that's what I it is right now. So sick of Chicago-St. Louis matchups. I really am. I'm bored. Yeah. I wouldn't it be great if it was one through eight seeding in both conferences? So yeah. you weren't seeing the same matchup in the first yeah. round. Also, also, Anaheim two zero and one against Edmonton this year with two oh, more games to play. Look at that. Okay. I don't know that I would have guessed that. I, I wouldn't pick the Oilers to beat Anaheim. You would not. I would not. I think Anaheim's going to make a move here before the deadline too. I really think they're going to try and add a score or so. They'll be an interesting team to watch as well. If you look over in the East, here's the matchups uh, as it stands right now. Just in this, the, the eighth team kind of surprised me. It would be Ottawa-Toronto. It would be Montreal-New York Rangers. Uh, it would be Pittsburgh-Columbus. It would be Washington-Boston. Boston's actually still lined up to be in the playoffs right now over Philadelphia and the Islanders. That kind of surprising Wait, to you guys? what standings are you looking at? Yeah, I'm not that, sure. To get your first Boston matches. third in the Atlantic right now? They They're very Atlantic. much third in the Atlantic. But I'm going, I'm going points per game. Okay, projected out of range too. Well, well I'm sure. According Luke. to that one analyst, we live in your Boston world. has the best odds of winning, uh, winning the Stanley Cup out of the Eastern Conference. True. Did I, the sidebar, did I not just describe exactly what I was doing? And then, even if you weren't well, listening you to me, paying attention. weren't you confused why I had to write out the actual playoff matchups when they're just on the websites? Well, not quite on yes. the websites. They're but you can gonna... figure it out. I have oh. piecing it together. I'm doing calculus over here. It's like a beautiful mind. That's, that's what you want to call it? Sure. That's what I want to call it. I don't have the West together yet, so let's talk about the East. Boston-Washington would be crazy. Yeah. I, I, well, I don't, actually, it wouldn't be crazy. I, I don't see Boston having a chance. I don't believe that they're, oh, they're, they're, they just need better puck luck that their possession numbers are indicative of a team that's going to make a playoff run. I just don't think they're that good. They don't seem like a playoff team, which is surprising to me that they are currently in a playoff spot, if you use that metric, which I think is the most honest metric you can use this season with the way the schedule's been unbalanced so far. Mm-hmm. So they're ahead of Philadelphia and the Island. Yeah, Toronto, yeah. There's, there's not many teams that would be playing Washington around one that I would be confident picking over Washington. Yeah, among the, the possibilities right now, yeah, I, I don't see that either, but we'll see what Washington can do in the, the next couple of rounds because we know how that story goes. Yep, round one doesn't matter, round two doesn't matter. You know, we're sitting here talking about how Minnesota looks different. Do we feel like Washington looks any different this year? Is there any reason to believe that they... They look better. They do, right? They do. They I, mean, I mean, they're just... They're just boat racing people. I know, I, know, I know we said there was nothing they could do in the regular season that would really get be confident based on what we've seen them do in the postseason. But the way they're beating teams, the only thing they could have done differently is beat them badly 
every yeah. single night. And that's what they're doing more often than not. They're beating teams by two, three, four, five goals. Good teams. They score every five night. goals every night. Now, again, yeah, that's the thing. That's you the have thing. to score six to beat them. Now, again, it doesn't matter if they lose in the second round no, it to doesn't. Pittsburgh or Columbus. But for now, what we have, they look, look really, really good. I'm, just, I'm scared. I'm, sc- I'm afraid of that team. Just like you're never going to pick like, the Bengals to win a playoff game until you actually see them do it, I'm not going to pick the Capitals to win the Stanley Cup until I watch them get there. You look at like Pittsburgh, Columbus, and the Rangers are all right there with, in the running for the second-best record in hockey, and mm-hmm. they have no chance of catching Washington at no, this point. No, Washington's run away with the division. I, I would yeah. also say, too, with, with the Capitals, the one thing that sort of impresses me is the fact that they are peaking now as opposed to, I felt like last year they peaked in December. And so there is always that sort of fear. If you're peaking in December, then you almost need to hit a valley in February and then re-peak in April. And they just, again, they were pretty close to beating the Penguins in the playoffs last year, so it's not like they completely melted down. But at a certain point, there probably is that, that mental block of we need to get past them at, at some point in the playoffs. But So, they're, they're, I mean, their path right now would be some combination in the first round of either Ottawa or Boston or Toronto, or I guess, or Philly, or somebody they should handle pretty easily. Yes. Then they're going to get the winner of Pittsburgh, Columbus. They're going to have to beat two of Pittsburgh, Columbus, Montreal, and New York Rangers in the next two rounds. Yeah. I mean, assuming that Boston or somebody doesn't go on this crazy run, I mean, that, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Can we, can we talk also about, the, we're talking a lot about the fact that they're scoring in bunches lately, and they are. They have 192 goals, which is, I believe, tied for second in the NHL, only behind Pittsburgh. But they've only allowed 121 goals. Fewest in the league. Fewest in the league, and if you look at the Eastern Conference, which I think is a better measure because you're, you're facing better teams in your own division on a nightly basis, who's next in the Eastern Conference? It's the Rangers at 147. That's a big gap. Which yeah. is, and then you look at their goal differential, it's plus 71. It's insane. How about the fact that they're 19-2-1 since December, since New Year's Eve? And their three losses in there were a 3 nothing loss at Ottawa, which I'm convinced they weren't at that game because yeah. that one doesn't add Nailed up. 3-2 at the Islanders right after they made that switch to Doug Waite. And that 8-7 overtime loss in Pittsburgh where they like led 3-0 and then they were down 5-3. I mean, that game was wild. That wasn't hockey. I don't know what it was. It was just a lot of goals by both teams. That's their only three losses, and even that was an overtime in their last 22 games. And, and you know, to your point, look at these scores on the, the current six-game winning streak they're on. 6-4, 3 5-0, 5-0, in Montreal against Carey Price, 5-3. It's, it's one of those things where you feel like you need probably realistically to score at least four to beat them in a game. Yeah. And there's not yeah. a lot of teams that can do that. There's some, but there's not a lot that can do that over a seven-game series. Fun hockey to watch. I'll watch that any day. There, there are a lot of cup final matchups that I would watch, and they're unusual matchups. People would not think they would be the teams that I'd want to see in the cup finals, but there's some fun teams in the, in the NHL this year, and the Metro has a bunch of them. So you're going to get an Ottawa-Anaheim rematch. Yeah. Does anybody even remember that that was a Stanley Cup like eight, nine years ago? It's the forgotten cup. Uh, back over to the West real quick. San Jose and Nashville will be a first-round matchup. Minnesota-LA, Chicago-St. Louis, Anaheim-Edmonton. Minnesota-LA is just, you know Minnesota's not happy about yeah. that. <laughs> really? we got to get the Kings. Who does Minnesota want? I mean, there's... When you get the, the difference here is the East has the better teams, but the West has the more experienced playoff teams. And they teams. take Calgary. Well, yeah, okay, if teams that aren't in the playoffs, yeah, I'm sure they would. Uh, San Jose, I don't know if you guys watched last night against Florida 
late game. Anytime there's hockey on at 11 o'clock at night, I feel like I'm obligated to watch it. I turned the game on with three minutes left. Joe Pavelski scored. Joe Pavelski scored again. Roberto Luongo got hurt and left. They went to overtime, and Jonathan Huberto scored. That was like five minutes of hockey. It was just complete chaos. Are people sleeping on San Jose at all this year? Joe Pavelski is, is legitimately one of the ten best players in hockey, and nobody talks about him. I think people inside the NHL still expect, if you talk to people around the league, they still expect San Jose. If, if you took a poll, they would be the team most often picked to come out of the West at this point. Okay, But maybe the fan is not looking at San Jose as much this season because they're, well, there's so many other storylines going right now. But if you, I think if you pin people down on it and ask them who's coming out of the West, there aren't a lot of candidates on that list, first of all, right? I think it's San Jose or Chicago, or maybe Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota, yeah, because they're having a terrific season, and they do. Like, like you guys were saying earlier, they look different. They do look different this year, and I, I think Eric Stahl's a big part of that. He's added something to that lineup, and Bruce Boudreau has added something to that team as well. The issue with Minnesota and San Jose, you know, San Jose now has that experience of going to the Stanley Cup, which you mm-hmm. need. Problem is, they just did it last year, so you wonder if attrition gets to them by the second round of the playoffs. Nobody even know. goes back to the Cup Finals these days. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's been absurd. a long time since that simply happened. Ever, so ever since what Pittsburgh and Detroit played back to back years against each other and, and split, but that was almost ten years ago. In San Jose and Minnesota, for as much as we can talk them up, they've never gone through Chicago in the playoffs and successfully. So I. I think those are the three teams, whereas the East, it seems a little more wide open. Yeah, I agree with that. We have anything Although, else? Do you even throw anyone in from the Atlantic, or is it just are we just talking wide open in the Metro? Yeah, I mean, if Montreal gets to walk through the first two rounds, I still think they're something. Yeah, I mean, something. that would be the equalizer of the old, if the dogfight for anybody that comes out of the Metro versus maybe Montreal walks out of the first two rounds, now that they have their coaching situation more figured out, Carey Price gets hot. But that's the only does, team I can see. How does Montreal walk through the first two rounds, though, when they're going to have to play a team from the Metro as, as the wild card. Yeah, I mean, I guess... You're going to have to play Pittsburgh, Columbus, or the Rangers in the first round. So let's say you get right. the Rangers... Yeah, so so let's say you get the Rangers in round one. That's no cakewalk. No, and then... Why, why are you breaking the studio, Lou? I just... You know how I get when I talk about Montreal Rangers matchups. I just see their That's getting bigger. Um, no, but in the second round, you're playing Ottawa. And then Carey Price is on his game. If Carey Price yeah. only has to steal That's you one true. series. If you get to go through Ottawa in the second round, that might feel like a buy. That feels. And then Price is, is locked in against Washington in the conference finals, and all of a sudden we're looking at Montreal, Chicago. Oh. That's not, that's not a cup matchup I, I want to see. Tony Esposito letting in a slap shot. From I was thinking about this. Sorry. What's the worst case scenario for Craig? Flashbacks. The worst case scenario for is Craig? the Blackhawks losing in the Cup final, right? Yeah, because because I still because then you have to still wear the wig and you don't even have the, the satisfaction of the, of the which Hawks could I mean, the way this shakes out, if a Metro team's in the Cup final, I would fully expect the Blackhawks to lose to that team. I feel like the worst case scenario for Craig is they Blackhawks can't trade Brent Seabrook's deal away and his contract away in the next seven years. I think that's the worst case scenario for Craig. Yeah, <laughs> just putting that out there. That one hurts. Sorry, but you'll, flat cap. you'll still be you'll still be good this year and next year, and then I would assume Craig doesn't join us for the podcast after about next season. My entire run will be over. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to work at a dog shelter after that. <laughs> a, a, a dog shelter in particular. Right? Happiness in my life. Just listen to a lot of Sarah McLaughlin songs. <laughs> no, that would not add happiness. Oh, okay. Uh, do we want to end on that note? Is there anything else you guys want to toss out there before we go? Cool. You, you wanted to talk about the trade deadline, I thought. Well, I, my simple question is, are there going to be trades this year? I, I know that there's that thought that 
teams are going to wait till closer and closer to the deadline, but we're like a week and a half away and we haven't seen any moves. Usually we see like a move here or there that sort of starts the avalanche, no pun intended, uh, of trades that start. This year we were getting You intended that pun. A couple couple factors in that. Spoke to John Chaika the other day about this. A couple factors in what's happening in the market this year. Everybody knows a lot of teams are cap-strapped this year, so when you're thinking about making trades and you're picking up prorated salaries, every day matters. So there's a, there's a lot of thinking that when these trades happen, and they're probably going to be for rental players, even though there's talk of guys who are still under contract being traded, I've heard from a lot of people that they think those, those deals are still going to move to the summer when there's a better market for them. There's more teams to talk to. Like Matt Duchesne, for example, yeah, if Duchesne's he gets traded. Yeah, Duchesne's a classic example okay. because you can talk to more teams. You have better options, so that, that gives you better trade options. So a lot of people think that still may wait until the summer. But... With rental players, which most people I've talked to think that's that's going to be the market this year. When you're picking a guy up and you're so cap-strapped, why pick him up a week and a half before the trade deadline when you can just wait and you owe that much less money? Or you, you can't simply can't pay that much money for some of these guys making, like John said, $15,000, $20,000 a day. That matters when yeah. it stacks up, when you're so tight to the cap. Just Remember? like the three of us. Remember? Wish. Remember uh, the Kings last year, where they for they couldn't call anybody up for an injury because they were forty-seven dollars or something over the cap if they called somebody up. Yes, I mean that that stuff matters. And the the other, go ahead. Do you want to say something? No, no. Go ahead. The the other side of this is you know, we we had talked about this previously for for a couple of weeks. It was just Arizona and Colorado that were out of the playoff picture, and again the Avs have some extenuating circumstances there. Are they going to deal these guys? Are they really going to deal them? So the supply is really small. You're finally seeing a couple teams from the East that are probably dropped out of it. Detroit, Carolina, Buffalo. I don't know if Buffalo is going to be looking to move much, but you've got some teams that are falling off the pace finally. So now they're figuring out, okay, what's our plan? And so things will shake out, but they're probably going to shake out again really close to the deadline, if not on deadline day. Yeah, and there's always the aspect of a, a one team makes a move, and the another team that's close in the standings goes, well, if I don't do something, right. I'm going to get crucified, so I'm going to make a move. And the, I We're think it's going to be more active this year, just not players. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, I think it's going to be more active than the last couple of years, where it's been almost historically slow on deadline day. Yeah, and on, on the flip side, there are still a lot of teams that think they can do some yeah. damage in the playoffs. So as, as John said, that's going to set the price yeah. for the market. And so uh, we could have a flurry right at the end. Again, we could we could be watching 17 hours of TSN for two trades. And well, I, I hope you know not. who else will have a flurry at the end? The Penguins. Uh, I see that. That's funny. So you, you get to the, the trade deadline, and you're right. A lot of times we watch the, the 12 hours of coverage on TSN. Is it just 12? I, I don't know. Okay. I only watch 12 of it. I'm, I'm a reasonable man. Maybe it just felt like 17. And uh, I think it's actually already started, so it's closer to two weeks of coverage. A lot of times you're right. There aren't many deals at the deadline, but that's because there were deals three, four, or five days ahead of time. So if what you're saying is teams are waiting to the last second, are we going to see deals on deadline day, or is everybody – to Jamie's point, if everybody stands pat, there's not as much pressure on the – on their rivals to do anything, whereas the second somebody makes a trade, let's say Vancouver makes a trade for the wrong Justin Falk at the deadline, because that's something Vancouver would do, and they get the one from Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's not a great example, because it doesn't put any pressure on anybody, but let's say whoever, some team does make, some team in the East makes a trade for Kevin Shattenkirk, that puts a lot of pressure on those other teams in the East, or if Montreal goes out and gets a center, that puts pressure on whoever, Ottawa, Toronto, I mean, is Toronto going to make moves for rental players? I don't know if Toronto is yeah. a good team to use as an example because they're, they're building towards something, so it wouldn't make sense to sacrifice some key prospects for a now 
sort of player. Unless they get him for nothing. I mean, right. there's always those Tuomo Rutu for a conditional sixth-round pick deals where you might as well just take it. But there are certain teams in this mix where if you don't go out and make a move, certain teams have very specific and obvious needs. Take the Blackhawks, since we're talking about them. Everybody knows they need somebody to play with Jonathan Are we talking Taves. about them? We're talking about them now. Oh, okay. okay. I, don't, I just can't figure out how the Blackhawks are going to... If you gonna... don't make a move, yeah. what message are you sending to that team that has a cup window open right now? Yeah, you, we, didn't go and, we didn't go and do anything at the, the And a team that's, that's historically a made moves in the past. Yeah. I mean, not, I don't think that's a good message to send to that sort of locker room. So I, I do think there are going to be deals made right at the deadline. I don't know how Shattenkirk's going to start playing for the Blackhawks. I just know it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> They'll make the deal for Seabrook. That's, that'll be the team that helps Chicago out. It'll be Seabrook in a first-round pick from now until 2025. Not happening. If a team, whatever team trades for Brent Seabrook is my new least favorite All right, I'll, team. I'll, I'll throw a side deal in here. If, okay. if the Blackhawks somehow acquired Kevin Shattenkirk, I would wear the Eric Carlson wig to the very next podcast that you guys could photograph. Me. I think you would need we, to wear it out. We could I think you just it. need That's to get fine. it. I'll some, do whatever you need with Kevin Shattenkirk's a Blackhawk. You should have to get a Kevin no, Shattenberg wig. Let me limit that. Not anything you need. That is way too open-ended. <laughs> I need a new car. For your minds. And, uh, I don't trust either one of you. Wow, that took a harsh turn, but it it's probably a <laughs> Not wrong, spent. but a harsh turn. Uh, yeah, I just a team like uh, the Washington, I don't feel like they need to make a move. Everybody's going to just sit around. That benefits Washington and Pittsburgh and some of those teams that, even if they'd like to make a move, don't have a lot of cap space. I mean, I guess Chicago's in that spot, too, but I feel like Chicago's going to make a move. It just might not be a big one. Yeah. San Jose, maybe. It's a yeah. team that could... I, f- I feel like they just need something. What do you think they need? I think Anaheim needs a score. We said that I think, earlier. I, I think, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if they necessarily need a score, San Jose, but I think they need a better third line right now. I mean, Joe Ward, is, I know he's got the playoff success and the, and the history, but it's not been very strong this year. Their third line's mm-hmm. shaky right now, too. Yeah. Like, if you look at it, it's like Chris I mean, Hurdle being back helps them. I mean, he's... but. I, just, I, feel, I feel like they're a piece away. I don't know what that piece is. If I was smarter, I would, but I what don't know. What about Pittsburgh or Washington? Do you, do you, I mean, Washington right now, I'd be, I'd be hesitant to mess with anything yeah. that's going on there right now. But what about Pittsburgh? Is there anything there they need? Just stay healthy, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you could always use a boost on the blue line, but they don't have a whole lot of money. Yeah. And Chris, I don't Chris know. Letang and bubble wrap? Pretty much, yeah. Just sit Chris Letang for the rest of the regular season. The guy that... that people aren't talking about with Pittsburgh as much as they should be is Justin Schultz. I mean, he's saved them on the back end because all of a sudden they're getting the the player that everybody was in a bidding war for a couple years ago that he went to Edmonton and was pretty terrible. He's been great in Pittsburgh this yeah, year. Yeah, boy, boy was I wrong about that signing. Well, it was, there's no risk when Pittsburgh did it. I mean, yeah. they, just, they just were filling a hole basically and now he's over 40 points. Mm-hmm. That's a nice little boost. Their defense could be better this year than it was in the playoffs last year. So I don't know necessarily what they need. That would be... That'd be quite a statement, actually. I mean, yeah. for a team that already won the cup, and yeah, that was considered their weakness going in, but they they played well in the postseason. Who who are the marquee players that you see going moving at this deadline? I mean, Marty Hansel, we talk about locally. I gotta believe there's going to be a big time market for this guy because of, in some ways, Marty Hansel is he's the perfect playoff player, right? He's a matchup center. He gives you net presence. He wins faceoffs. He creates space for scorers. Yeah be a guy that will look really good and as you mentioned last week if you have the luxury of dropping him even lower on your lap where he's like a third line center good god he'd be an incredible yeah. fit there he's, he's a prototypical middle six center that can play in all situations and when he's healthy and engaged he makes an impact offensively and defensively Two important health is, variables health, health, there. The, uh, they are those are very important caveats but 
I mean, as you're seeing right now, he, this is uh, one of those hot streaks for Marty Hansel. It's he's playing, yeah, probably his best hockey in at least the last couple of years. You're right. It's he's the local name, so we give it more attention. But the more I look at the list of players that could be on the move, he might actually be the best. He might be because for the reasons you guys just both laid out there, it, the knock on him is. Do you want him for year after year after year when you're only going to get probably 65 games out of 82? If you're just signing him for a month and a half of the regular season in the playoffs, he might not miss any games. Mm-hmm. And he plays defense, and he wins faceoffs, and he can put the puck in the net, and he's a big body that crashes the net and is disruptive. And chances are, if you're a team that's trading for him, you've already got a number one center and maybe even a number two. So when you put all that into the, the mix, there's not a lot of players – that I'm looking at that are more appealing than him, unless somebody that's signed beyond this year gets traded. But in terms of pending unrestricted free agents, Patrick Sharp? I mean, no. No, not right now. Got some health issues and age. Maybe a goalie? That's the only thing is if if a guy like Ben Bishop gets traded. Maybe, but, I mean, his stock is not exactly sky high right now. No. No, it's not. And, and, yeah, I, I agree with you. This is a big moment for John Chica. Yeah, Mary Hansel is probably. It, it, I, I agree with you. He's probably the top commodity on the market. So yeah. you, you got to nail this trade. You've got yeah. to nail this Cause, trade because Duchesne's not going anywhere right I, now. I don't think he is either. So no. I, you're gonna you have the top center on the market, and that's a very very good spot to be in. It just doesn't benefit Colorado to trade Duchesne right now. Don't for mid season, no, no, and it's wait till the summer when you have more teams interested. And there's no sense of urgency. It's not like they need to trade him for two players that are going to get them into the playoffs because those two players don't exist in the world. Also. <laughs> You don't have to trade him. Duchesne? Yeah. No, I agree. Like, I mean, if you get a, you know, a great deal, but you don't have to trade him. I wouldn't trade He's him. He's not a locker room cancer. Crazy He's productive. He's, I mean, you don't have to trade him. And I don't know that his value is as high as it probably could be. I mean, he's, everybody's having a down year there. He's, yeah. you know, he's decent. He's in the mid-20s in goals. But it's not like I, I feel like if, you, if you're Colorado and you trade him, you're probably not going to get the value back. You might, he's the sort of player you could look in two or three years and be like, that's not quite as bad as the Tyler Sagan trade, but it's not a, it's not a great trade. And that's another you, young you center. And don't you NHL pieces if you move him? Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're not rebuilding. Well, maybe you are if, you, if you're trading him. Uh, yeah. You, but Nathan McKinnon's young re- enough, right? So. Yeah, McKinnon and Barry and those guys. But I it feels like it needs to be a more rapid rebuild because five years from now, there's no guarantee you're going to have McKinnon still. I would assume the reasoning behind trading him is you think you're going to pick one, take Nolan Patrick. And so then at that point, why would you trade him now? Because you don't know for sure you're picking number one. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Again, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's a great yeah. point, too. You, you need to know what the draft looks like. So, Do you think Hansel's gone? I do think Hansel's gone. I mean, the fact that they haven't talked contract with him or Michael Stone is the other one. They have the well, same agent. How attractive do you think Stone's going to be as a right-handed it's hard defenseman? It's to tell. Yeah, he's a right-handed defenseman. He's starting to play a little better now, too. And it makes sense because he was hurt at the start of the year. Right, and now he'll, he'll tell you he didn't think it was that big a factor, although he will say it, there was that mental side of it. So He just looks It's a pretty bad injury. There has he's, to be some. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, that's exactly. That's, that's, you, you talk to yeah. medical experts, they'll say a lot of times it takes a full year to come back from yeah. that. So he's closing in on that. I think we're at like 10 and a half months now. Yeah. Maybe even more close to 11. So, 37 points last year, too. I mean, that's yeah, so for he's shown he can be productive. Again, he's a right handed defenseman. He's, he's eating up big minutes again, playing in your top four. And I do think that that position tends to get overvalued because of the scarcity of players that play it. And the Coyotes, I would assume, are probably willing to move him because they've got a lot of defensemen now that sort of can fill that role. They still need a, a, another top pairing defenseman with Oliver Ekman Larson. 
And yeah. after talking to Craig for the last four months, I've just put Kevin Shattenkirk on that pairing. I almost just said his name there, but he's not there. But they don't necess- they've got enough defenseman number three through ten that if they could get a, a good offer for Michael Stone, I think they would take it. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, again, no contract talks with him either. i got to believe those two players, I, I would almost bet the house that those two are on the move. But with anybody else on the Coyotes, I, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to overpay to get Redeem Verbata off this roster. And I know some people say, why, why not just trade him for anything because he, he would come back again anyway. They value what he's bringing to the locker room and to the ice, and, and that matters too. You, you need some guys around to shepherd the young guys through the process. He's had a, an impact on Christian Dvorak, and we've seen what he's been doing lately. There, there's value to be placed on that. So unless I don't think somebody comes with a third-round pick and says, yeah. will, will, you take, will you take this for Redeem Bobata? I don't think the Coyotes will do it. No. That's the biggest value, too, for the Coyotes here. There's still two months of hockey to be played, and in those two months you want your young players developing. So mm-hmm. if you trade away the guy that – not that he's a coach. I mean, he's scoring goals, but he's essentially almost like a player coach when you mention a guy like Christian Dvorak. Why would you cut into those two months of development yeah. for just a third-round pick? It's the human element. It yeah. really is. It's not, a, it's not a video game. You don't and just take an asset just because you can. And it's true that Bruby might come back here. If, if they said, you know, with Shane Doan maybe retiring, if Martin Hansel's gone – if they said to uh, Redeem Verbata in the offseason, hey, we'd like you to come back again and, and play a leadership role, I think he'd consider that. But you do have to think about the, the immediate situation as well, and he's having an impact on that team. So, And you're burning two months of and, him potentially yeah. helping Dvorak right. and, and those other guys, and there's, too. There's also the possibility that this is all just chatter to create the value for Redeem Verbata, right? Because that's what GMs do this time oh, of absolutely. year, too. Well, he's a goal-scoring winger. I mean, that, is a that's value to... That's the thing. If you... If you have the right situation for him. If you have somebody who can clear space for Verbata and somebody who can get him the puck, he's a pretty valuable asset. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw Mark Lazarus tweeting the other day that he thought Redeem Verbata would be a really good fit to play with Jonathan Taves. I knew this coming. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But he would, right? You think no, about ab- what Taves yeah. does. Yeah, he not can only play is that he game. a space clearer, but he's a really good passer. And he can play against the top players Taves plays against. I think that's a huge thing, too, when you, we were yeah. bringing a new winger up there. We see what like Crosby does and the wingers he plays with. He doesn't necessarily play with the most spectacular offensive wingers because they can't play against the players Crosby plays against. And But I think from the Coyotes' perspective, it's good for them to not, in this case, to not have that sense of urgency. They don't have to move Redeem Verbata. They have to move Martin Hansel if they're not re-signing him. Yep. And, and how many prospects and draft picks have we been talking about with the Coyotes for the last three, four, five years? They don't... Lottery tickets. We, and a lot of them, at least at this point, seem to be hitting. And so at a certain yeah. point, how much room do you have on your roster for another prospect or a draft pick? I mean, don't get me wrong. If somebody comes along and they offer the Coyotes a number one center, you can move some of those guys. But do you really need another... A, you don't need another left-wing prospect because no. he's not going to play for eight years. And that's that's a, a really good point to bring up because I think when they're looking, particularly when they're looking to move Marty Hansel, I think they'll be looking at trying to acquire someone who's either going to step onto the roster right away at the trade deadline or somebody who's going to be in the lineup next season. You can't, you're right, you can't keep stockpiling yeah. prospects. You need, when, you, when you're moving a guy of that sort of value, you need to have a piece that plugs into your roster right Absolutely. Away. It's a little bit like uh, the fantasy football strategy where somebody will take two good quarterbacks. Oh, no, I'm sure I can trade them later for yeah. equal value. You never you trade them later for equal value. It's just risky. And, and it's not, you know, if you're trading a player and you're getting guys that, that either aren't ever going to play because there's a logjam in front of them or they're just going to play over guys that are almost as good as them that were in front of them, how much value are you really getting? So we'll yeah. see. Maybe there just won't be any trades at all, and we'll just keep no. firing coaches. Two quick things to wrap up on. One, right. uh, Alex Tangay retired today. Huh. 
Okay. Mostly because I'm assuming because nobody signed him. That was, yeah, but, uh, that was strange. Oh, he's, he's Coyote's still great. Signed, right? yeah. 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 Coyote's great, Alex Tangay. And two, we're recording this on Thursday. Maybe it's because Antoine Vermette got suspended and those two were so good together on the ice <laughs> that he just couldn't take it anymore. All right, number two. <laughs> I don't even know what to go there. Uh, number two, uh, it's Thursday as we're recording. Does Crosby get 1,000 tonight? Playing Winnipeg tonight? Mm hmm. Winnipeg and then tomorrow at Columbus. Uh, I can't see him going three games without any points. Well, he got one the other night. Yeah, he got one last night or two nights ago. Yes, I'm saying yes. Yeah, I'll say yes. It it was interesting that when he he didn't get a point against the Coyotes, that was two straight games without a point. It was the first time since last February. In a full year. I I asked Jamie this. I don't know if I asked you this. Where would you consider points per game throughout his career? Where do you think Sidney Crosby ranks? Because I looked this up the other night to see how quickly he was getting to 1,000 compared to other players in history, and I, I couldn't find that on the Internet. Yeah. yeah I, I looked it up. It was a yeah. story, so oh. I cheated. Did his research. Right. a week ago. <sighs> Whatever. All right. I'll leave on this note. We're not going to get to the Lipinski list, are we? We really have no natural segue. You had a musical segue earlier, but we blew it. So. Well, we're three hours into the show. We should yeah, save it for next week. Probably true. And I learned earlier this week, if you just create an overrated list willy-nilly without putting a lot of thought into it, it makes a lot yeah. of people angry. Yeah. yeah. Still yeah, my phrases now, Luke. He's working in the Department of Player Safety. This is the Will and Yuli episode, I think. Yes. Uh, I'll leave on this note. This is a good sign that you follow too many uh, Canadian people on Twitter. I'm looking at a picture of maple bacon potato chips that just popped up on my timeline. So, there you go. No, maple bacon. Okay, that's like, like, we won't go down this road. Ketchup chips, too? I think those are Canadian, too. Those yeah, are, they are ketchup chips and all-dressed chips. I've had ketchup chips. I don't like ketchup chips. Yeah, they're not as... They're okay. They're, they're okay. I would never seek them out. Overrated, right? O- most yeah. overrated chip. Most yeah. overrated chip. I'd agree with that. Because I've played hockey with We're a lot of Canadians with who love ketchup chips. And the first yeah, time I had them... They're fine. Yeah, they're not bad. They're like, just, if, they're, if they put them out at Coyotes games, you'd have a couple. Sarah McClellan tried to sell me on those, and then no, I tried one. She's Canadian. I don't get it. It must be like a... And here's another thing, and nostalgia this thing. is not going to make Canadian listeners happy. Do we have Canadian listeners? Well, I don't know if we do not. after two hours, but let's try. Let's see what we can do. Tim Hortons, not as good as Dunkin' Donuts. Ooh. I'm, see, I'm not a Dunkin' Donuts guy. So when I go bad. side by side, I don't know where to go. When I go side by side, I'm like, yeah, it, you know, no, they're not as good. How often do you eat two donuts side by side from different companies? I have done the taste test. Really? Yep. Same. Did it with my family. In fact... All four members of my family agree that Dunkin' Donuts are better than Tim Hortons. Proud sponsor so of the Natural Magic. Take that, Canada. I don't, I don't know what to say after that. I kind of want to do I a donut taste test. Yeah. Who was it right. that got obsessed with the ketchup chips when they had to try it? Was it Yandel or was it Murphy? Remember that segment they used to play at the stadium? I can't remember who. I, think, I remember Murphy. I think it was Murphy. on something, yeah. I think so. it was Murphy. But he's yeah. American. Yeah, very much American. So is Yandel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true, yeah. You said Yano was the other guy. Okay. Yeah, I think they yeah, were he both. He was the other just, guy in that sense. Yeah. They were both sort of underwhelmed. Yeah. Because they're just, talked up so much. If, yeah. You're right. If you just saw them sitting for free in the press box, I mean, honestly, people would eat anything sitting for free in the press box. You could leave a bucket of nails out there and say they were food, and people would be like, oh, especially sports writers. Free nails, yeah. yeah, yeah they're animals. Food. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. Overrated, though. Kind of like the Foo Fighters. We'll just leave there. Wow. No, wow. We're just dropping all of the hot takes. That's going to be disputed next week. For Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening. That was not the best of Craig. No, it was not. The Natural Hattrick Podcast. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.